we get even to where we're going to go. I just want you to know something. If you're here this morning, you need to know this, that Jesus loves you. You didn't come here to hear from some silly big agent from Ireland who just wants to open up scripture. You came here to encounter Jesus. You may not know that yet, but that's what you're here for. And look, God's always speaking. Jesus is always speaking to us. And so I'm trying to listen to him a little bit on that. And so that means at times, I don't mind looking a little bit foolish. I'd rather look foolish than be disobedient to what he's saying. So I want to do something before we even get into this. We'll make up time afterwards because it's too important. Because Jesus wants to meet with some people this morning who are feeling overlooked. People who are feeling overlooked. So I'd love us just, just bow your head right now. I'm going to pray over some people. And if this, if any of these resonate with you, then I just want you to accept his love and his blessing over you. So as, a, as I was sitting in the corner there, I was checking I felt the Lord say, this is a significant day. And I was trying to see what, what, are the, what are the holidays that are celebrated around the world today. And so I want you to know that there's some of these holidays where we celebrate. We, we're, we're going to claim these for Jesus today because he's going to celebrate that he is looking at the people who are feeling overlooked right now. And he wants to tell you that you are so special and that he loves you. And so the first one of those, I didn't know this. This is Abused Women and Children's Awareness Day. You see that awareness? Jesus is aware. Even though in the world has not seen whatever that abuse looks like. That mental, physical, emotional, whatever. He saw it. His heart breaks for you. So Jesus, let his love just pour into your heart right now. If that's you. Yeah. It's also Alcohol Anonymous Founders Day. <laughs> Jesus wants to tell you, you're not anonymous. and You're not an alcoholic. You're a child of God. Yeah. And he wants to meet with you. He wants you to allow his love to just saturate your heart right now. So just allow that. If that resonates with you, would you allow that just to flow in your heart? Come Holy Spirit. Restore what has been broken. It's also National Ballpoint Pen Day. <laughs> and you know what? There are a lot of people who work in offices day after day. Admin, face quite boring. You wonder what is going on. I just turn up. I just turn up in an office. I just do stuff. Actually, Jesus wants you to know today. He sees you. He's placed you there for a reason. You're so important to see life brought to this city. We need people who get a ballpoint pen. And bring administration. So allow his love. You're not overlooked. It's also National Carers Day. If you care for anyone, would you please know this morning that Jesus sees your heart in caring for whether that's a loved one, whether that's um, someone that you're paid to do. There's no difference in that. You have a heart of compassion. Jesus sees that. You're not overlooked. And the last one is it's Race Unity Day. <laughs> Jesus loves every nation, every race. You're not overlooked. You're welcome here. Jesus wants to meet you with you. So, Holy Spirit, would you just fall afresh right now on us? Each of these people, would you just meet with us? We welcome you, Holy Spirit. You have complete permission to do whatever you want to do. 
And would you, would you rise up today within people that they would know they are not overlooked because you are always, you promise you will never leave or forsake, which means you're always looking over them. So we praise you for that, Jesus. In your name. Amen. It's good. Ah. That's it. That's it. It's been great to be here this weekend. Just what a privilege. You know that you guys are really special. And I, and I don't I mean that as just loose words off my lips. You guys are really something special. We talk about you all the time back home in Causeway Coast. Since we've been here. And we came and we've experienced just this extravagant love. This extravagant generosity. You're beautiful people. And we love spending time with you. So thank you for modeling to us what Jesus' compassion looks like. Thank you for what the welcome of being family looks like. Just welcoming us in this family. Thank you for that. Yes, yeah, so my wife Zoe and Eden and Sophie were here this week. It's been a fun week for us the last two weeks. For them, for me, it's been an absolute nightmare trying to... They, all their birthdays have been in two weeks. So I've just been trying to, like each one, just do something even more better for them just to show love. Um, but last, last weekend... It was Sophie's birthday. And Sophie's an explorer. And the reason that resonates with me so much is because I'm an explorer. I'm an investigator. I love to find things out. I love to get into the nitty gritty and and realize what makes this stuff work. But what has happened at times that gets me, just like it gets Sophie, into trouble sometimes. Some of those places of trouble as I was growing up was uh, my mum had saved for a tumble dryer. Uh, within a month, I had it taken apart to try and see how it worked at the back when she was away with my dad one day shopping. Ruined the tumble dryer. She wasn't happy at that. It's also I felt the wrath of my grandmother as I phoned 999 because I just wanted to find out what happens when you call the police and ask them to come. It also got me stuck under an industrial fridge in the supermarket because the side was off. And I just wanted to find out how does this work. And this phrase that goes over and over in my head all the time. I still hear it as my mum's words to me. Boy, you're too smart for your own good. You're too smart for your own good. And what she meant by that was your, your, your search for wisdom, your search for knowledge gets you into places of trouble where you get stuck in life. And I think there's a little bit like that in us in society today. We're a little bit too smart for our own good. We're in a season of life. We're in this period of life that's called post-truth. And so what happens is it's where objective facts don't appeal to us anymore. It's how we feel and what we choose to believe. And so it doesn't matter what truth is anymore. We decide what truth is. And you know what? Whenever we pick up scripture, we see this is the truth. We've been told what happens when society gets like that before and we should learn from that. But we don't. And so in our search for really what is truth, we have all these questions that we can't answer. And so I looked up this week the top 10 Googled questions. Some of them are like, what's my IP address? What really happened to TV gangster Tony Soprano? You have things like that. But also these big searching questions like, why do I exist? What is truth? What is the meaning of life? What's the plan for my life? Does God exist? And those answers are found in the source of truth. The one who created us, if I wanted to find out 
how this microphone works. What is it that it does? I'd have to go back to the inventor of it and ask him some questions. So you know that God created you. So if you want to find out those answers, you've got to go back and ask him. But sometimes even in our Christian walks, you know, us Christians, we think we've got it all together. And we're also too smart for our own good. And so what ends up happening is, see this, see God's word, we make it complicated. We don't just read it and say, okay, so it says to go and feed the poor. It says to heal the sick. Because to go and make disciples. What do we do? We want to form study groups where we study. What's the Greek word for that? How do you do that? Look all fancy about it. When actually we just got to go and do it. It's called childlike faith. You just go and do the stuff. And so what ends up happening is as you've been studying through Ephesians this week, I love the book, or this month, I love the book of Ephesians. Why? Because it's like a blueprint for us as a church as well today. And there's this theme that runs right through it that a lot of men who are a lot smarter than me and have made up all these theories and theologies around it, it's around this big word predestination. Okay, It almost makes me vomit. Because it scares people. Predestination, what does it mean? Can I tell you the Ricky Linton version of it this morning? God has a plan. (laughs) He's always had a plan. And you're part of it. You get that? You're not overlooked. You're part of the plan. So that's why I absolutely love A-Team. Okay? Yes, and I love it when a plan comes together. I just think, you know, and I hope I'm not being too reverent here. I, I just think God's like that. He's like, I love it. When my plan comes together, when someone comes here on a Sunday morning and they meet with me and the plan for their life is revealed. Not what other people have told them, but what I speak over them, what I tell them who they are. I tell them what to do because I love them. And this word predestined, it does mean planned. Like your language, do you use this? So say when Kevin and Ruth invited us over the other day. So say we couldn't have made it. Would I have sent them a text message saying, well, we predestined to meet you, but alas, trouble has prevailed. No. We say, hey, yeah, thank you. Yes. What we say is, hey, I, I plan to come and meet you, but something's gotten away and we just can't make it now. See, that's normal language. That's the language that Jesus wants to speak to you, love language. And so what I want to do this morning is this, Ephesians 1, let's go back a little bit. Into Ephesians 1. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read it from the message this morning. Why? Because it's just really easy to understand. So we'll have it up behind me on the screen as we read through these 12 or 13 verses. And we'll just break it down as we go. Okay, we'll get through this as quickly as we can. So it says the first, this is in verse 3 of Ephesians 1. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Get this. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He settled us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Don't miss that. So even before he created the earth, he had you in mind. You. He just wants to shower you with his love and his kindness and his grace. You are the focus of his affection. His plans are not to harm you. They're for your good. He loves you. See, this long, long ago, he decided to adopt us 
into his family. He brought us into his family. He adopted us. He chose us to be part of his family whenever we rejected him. That says this, what pleasure he took in planning this. What pleasure he took in planning this. I, I I don't know what it feels like to be adopted into a family. Okay, so I asked the young guy, the young guy back home who I've been working with for the past few years. He's just such a beautiful heart. And I asked him because he's, he's been adopted. And he makes no uh, pardoning for that. He just loves that people chose him. And so I want us to hear what he said. Whenever I asked him this week, what did it feel like? What did it feel like whenever you were chosen by your parents? Okay, because I want this. This is for each and every one of us. Okay, come on. I was chosen because I was special. My parents wanted to have me. They wanted to give me a home where I would be safe and secure. I have always felt that I was part of my family. Wow. This is from a young guy who has been wrote off by society. He's been told, you have educational needs, you have special needs, you're worthless in the world's eyes. But you know what? And a couple who decided, we're going to show the love of Jesus and what he wanted. We're going to bring him into our family. And look at how he feels now. So this is for all of you. Feel chosen because you're special. Your, pa- your parent, God, your father, he wanted you. That's why he created you. He's planned to give you a home. We'll talk about that afterwards. He's always wanted you to feel safe and secure. And he's always wanted you to know that you're part of the family. Your family. You're his family. Isn't that amazing? Wow. It says he wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift given by the hand of his beloved son. He wants you to celebrate in this lavish gift given. He's given you heart. He's given you talents. He's given you a place to live. He's given you people around you. All as his gifts. And he just wants you to celebrate that. So whenever you feel like you're going to the office... And you're just spending the day with that ballpoint pen. God has given you a heart and a mind that can see and plan. Why? Because that's a gift for you. And he wants you to celebrate that. Because you're so the object of his affection. You get that? You're the object of his affection. You're the one that he chose to love. He says, because of of the sacrifice of the Messiah his blood poured out on the altar and the cross we're a free people get that we're a free people free of penalties and punishments chalked up by our misdeeds and not just barely free either abundantly free abundantly free abundantly free that means not just a little bit free not just free from the little lies that you tell free from things that people have rejected you for, have put shame and guilt upon you. In Jesus, he sees you as being free from that. Free from that. Not what the world says over you. Not the convictions that the world puts on you. He says, you're free. You're free. That's always been my plan. You're free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans. He took such delight in in making that's why we read scripture. He lets us in in the plan all along, but we complicate it. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. That's in Jesus. Everything in deepest heaven, everything in planet earth. That's a plan, a long-range plan. It means we've got to be patient at times. And it's in Christ, 
get this, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Do you know what that means? Whenever you want to try and find out who you are and what you're here for, look to Jesus. Because he's speaking your real identity over you. Not what the world will say about you, what he says about you. When you want to find out what is it that I've got to do. He's given us the plan all along. He's revealed it to us. We just make it really complicated. Why? Because we're too smart for our own good. I keep getting this question asked to me. I used to work in youth ministry. and Especially young people. But I'm seeing it now as I'm more in the streets of Korean. When you ask people what can I pray for. Like, what's, what's next for me? What's the plan of my life? So I want to just like make that really simple for us this morning. I want to break that down really quickly. What I'm going to do is we're going to go through... The Bible, we're just going to take the edited highlights. So this is like match of the day, less than 10 minutes. We're just going to see the highlights and see his plan for you. So that then you, you can't leave here being complicated anymore. I hope not. Okay? It's not complicated. It's simple. It's Jesus. The plan was always Jesus. And so we see that what happened at the beginning of time, before he even created earth, he had you in mind. Why? Because he wanted relationship with you. He didn't need to create you. He wanted, he chose to create you. Because he just wanted to shower you with love. And he gave you this gift, he gave us this gift as mankind, that whenever he created us, he also gave us this wonderful purpose to rule over creation. Like, take care of my creation. Care for this creation. See Steve here, he gets that. Because he, he sees that there's plastic polluting the oceans, and he's like, Jesus told us to look after creation, so let's clean that place. See, we've been given this purpose. But it wasn't enough for us as mankind. So you know the story of Adam and Eve. They were told, you, can, you have all the freedom of this garden. You can walk anywhere, perfect relationship, in the cool of night, walking with Jesus, the cool of the evening shade. But they didn't want to know what was right and wrong. They wanted to choose it for themselves. Why? Because they wanted not a God-given identity, their own identity. They wanted to be God. They wanted to choose for themselves. And so what happened in that moment is sin entered the world. But more sad than that, relationship with God was broken as Adam and Eve were put out of the garden. And that has an effect on all of us for mankind. It's the first mom and dad of creation that's passed down the generation, broken relationship with God. But God's plan has always been to bring restoration to that. Because he loves you. So he can't just throw you out. He wants to bring you back. And so even as sin began to grow. As sin began to grow. It went from being a lie to a murder. So Adam and Eve's son killed his brother. And sin began to get out of control to the point. And get this. I think this is the saddest point in history. In Genesis 6 when God says. I've regretted making mankind. What have I done? And so he says I'm going to wipe out. Mankind, but in his lovingness and his desire to show his love to, to us and to bring us back into relationship, he says, But Noah, this guy Noah found favor in his eyes. He says, Through this family, we're going to begin again. Love will continue to flow. And so, what he says is, After he, the flood has come, he says, That's it, I'm never going to do that again. It's, it's, it's hurt me too much can't see my people like that. So I promise that's why there's a rainbow in the sky. It's his promise. He's never going to do that again. Even in Carlisle, whenever you see those floods, 
His plan is never, his plan is never to wipe out creation. It's never been that. Just keep looking for the rainbow. That's his promise of love. But sin is still within man. And so it gets out of control again to the point where man tries to build their way up to heaven. That's a story about a big tower in a place called Babel. And they try to, they say, if we build us high enough, we'll get ourselves into heaven. And God looks down upon them and he says, my words, you're too smart for your own good. As you get together, you're too powerful for your own good yet. It's not time yet for that. And so he scatters the nations. He scatters everyone among nations, gives different tongues. But he still loves us. And so even in the next chapter across, we see Abraham through one family. He said, I'm going to choose to love through this family. Restoration of relationship, the promised Messiah, will come through this. Will come through this family. And so what happens is that family becomes a nation, a nation of Israel. They grow and grow and grow to the point where there's famine in the land. They have to go to Egypt. They're there for 400 years, treated as slaves. But God is always listening to them, always hearing them cry out. And after 400 years, he says, okay, now it's time. We're going to take you back out of this and into a place where you can live in freedom and worship me. A perfect relationship. And so he takes them through different miracles back into this land. And they live there, but of course, sin is still there. And so at times they follow what Jesus or what God has said to them. Other times they don't. This broken relationship, on and off, on and off, on and off. So God rises up these people called judges. What they do is they just take the scriptures and remind the people of the plan. Remind the people that God loved them. But they want to be like the other nations. They don't want to be different. They don't want to be chosen. And so they want a king. God says, I don't think a king is good for you, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. So he gives them a king. They become like other nations. And at times they behave like the other nations instead of being an example. So God rises up these people called prophets who remember, remind them of what God has said again. This is the plan. God loves you. Keep coming back into relationship with him. And these prophets, as they remember this, as they remind the people of this, this common Messiah, the saviour of the world, the one who God has given all his affection for all of the world, he'll bring this restoration of relationship. And so they prepare for him coming. And then there's 400 years where God says nothing between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then a baby's cry breaks that silence. The baby's cry is not... The Messiah, yet it's his cousin, John the Baptist, who says, hey, the Messiah is about to come. So you know the way, for all those thousands of years, we've tried to get back into relationship with God, and he's always promised there will be a way, it's about to come. It's the focal point of his plan, his plan is about to come together, it's Jesus. And so then Jesus comes, and this is the focal point of history, the turning point in history. Because what he does at that point is he says, it's not about your efforts anymore. I'm going to do this for you. And through me, being in me, in Jesus, what Andy talked about a few weeks ago, being in him, then we have restored relationship with the Father. And some of us want it to end there. Actually, it doesn't just end there. You see, this is, this is the story. So what's happened over the years, is, as, we, as, as we try to you know, be the faithful representatives and tell the story about Jesus, 
It's about creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And what we've tried to do over the years is we bring it back, fall and redemption. Layman's terms, what does that mean? You're really bad, but Jesus died for you. Okay, that's it. And then we've got afraid to tell people you're really bad. So what we do is now we just say, Jesus loves you. And as any bit wonder, people say, this man that came to earth, he loves me. Sure, what's that got to do with me? <laughs> we've simplified the whole thing down into one part when actually it's been, this is what you were always created for. Yes. We were always created for this. But yet we mucked up. We mucked up here, but God loves us so much that he's always given us a way to come back into family, to come back into family, and to rule over creation through him, because he will rule creation. So the intended purpose, but it doesn't just end there, because all those prophecies that took it to this point, there are a load more that's telling us there's more to come. The biggest renovation in history is going to happen. The biggest renovation in history is going to happen. And this is where you fit in. Because you're a part of that. So you see when Jesus came. What he did was. He renewed the vision within our lives by giving us. So for years people tried to worship God. And God said you can't do it by yourself. So I'm going to come and live in you. And it says this. In Christ. You that once heard the truth and believed it. Found yourselves home free. Signed, sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. There's more on the way. And he's given you the first deposit of that. That's the Holy Spirit living within you. To bring about this restoration. Because Jesus, when he came and he died on the cross. He tore the temple curtain in two. Which means, see the old covenant. See the old way of doing things is gone. Striving is gone. Now in him, he's began to usher in the kingdom of heaven. And every time that we do what the Bible says, which is we pray for someone for healing and we see it. Every time we feed the poor. Every time we go and love our neighbor well. Every time that we come here and worship together as family. You know what happens? A little bit more of the kingdom invades. A little bit more of the renovation happens. Through the Holy Spirit working through us. And so you've got to know this today. The plan and the purpose for your life right now. It's just go and do stuff. Go and love people. Go and talk to your neighbours. Bring people in around your table and love them well. And hey, if the opportunity comes up, tell them about what's coming. It's not prosperity gospel. It's the gospel. It's the good news. Jesus has so much more for us. He has so much more for you. And we're sitting in our houses with faces like a half-sucked Malteser. There's no joy. Jesus wants us to be joyful. Smiles on our faces. Telling people about Jesus. Showing people the love of Jesus. All empowered to do that because of what Jesus did on the cross. And then by giving us the Holy Spirit. So you, today, you need to know. Just like I was here the last time I said this. You need to be reminded of this again. You're the answer to someone's need in this city. You get that? You're the answer to someone's need in this city. So just go and do what you were always intended to do. Live out of relationship with God. So love him well and then love people. The whole Bible can be summed up in that. That's what we're to do. Love God and love people. 
So I want to give us an opportunity to respond on this really quickly. So I love you. Just just bow your heads at the moment. I'm going to pray and I'm going to give opportunities to respond to this. Because every time God's word goes forth, he says, it will not return on them void. So there's fruit that's available in your life today because of Jesus' words, not mine. His words. And so Father, we just pray more of your Holy Spirit, just an outpouring of your Holy Spirit today. Lord, I pray that if anyone is here right now and they don't know you in relationship, they haven't realized that their purpose primarily in life is to have relationship with the Father through what you, their brother, have done. Would you just allow them to accept you right now? Because you're so loving that you give us free will to choose in that. Lord, would you just help people to today choose Jesus? Choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. Choose life. Choose freedom. Choose purpose. Choose identity in Jesus. Lord, for those of us who have big decisions to make in life, I feel there's a significant amount of us. Would you actually, if you have a big decision to make, right? Now you're at a, you're at a fork in life and you don't know what to do. I'm going to ask you, as heads are bowed, it's just that I know so I can pray for you. Would you please take a moment of vulnerability? I hope this is not too uncomfortable for you. Just stand right now. I'd love to pray over you. If you're at a moment where you've got a big decision to make, big decision. If you can't stand, just put your hand in the air. Yeah, there's more. That's it. Thank you. Bless you. Yeah. Yeah, there's more. Don't be afraid. Jesus is here. He's so generous. He's so caring. He's so compassionate. So Jesus, I want to thank you for each and every one of these people who are standing right now or who have raised their hand. Lord, they're at a moment in life where there's big decisions. Would you take the pressure off them right now? It's not meant to be hard to follow Jesus because he's given us the Holy Spirit. So just Holy Spirit, fall afresh on them right now. Give them the peace to know that the plan for their life, the call on their life is just to follow you. Just to follow you. So Lord, I actually pray that the abundance that you have, that abundant freedom, you would release that upon them now. That in the next two to three weeks there's going to be an acceleration There's going to be an acceleration in their circumstances, an acceleration of peace. They're going to know exactly the steps to take and whatever's next. All the while knowing that there's complete freedom in that. It's not a tightrope. They can go whatever way they want, to the left, to the right, forward, back, and you're with them. Now, I'd ask us all to stand just right now. I just love the idea of family being a mission. So would you just put your arm around each other? Just put your arm around each other. It's family, okay? It's family. Remember that. It's family. And so, Lord, we just thank you for our brothers and sisters. We thank you for family. We thank you for bringing us into that family. We thank you that we are chosen. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you say we are special. We thank you that you have given us the best gift you could ever give, which is the Holy Spirit, a deposit of what's to come. And so, Lord, would you give us fresh boldness, fresh courage this week to remind people restoration is on the way. The biggest renovation job in history is coming, and Jesus is at the forefront of it. And guess what? He's using us. So, Lord, opportunities. We just pray opportunities this week, opportunities to talk about Jesus, opportunities to show Jesus 
And when we've made it complicated, would you just absolutely smack us in the face with that? Lord, we repent. We repent right now of making you and the Bible difficult. We repent of striving. Holy Spirit, just fall afresh. And as you're here in family, I sense as well that there's restoration available in family relationships that have been broken. It's time to bring Jesus into that. He is the Redeemer. He is restoration. His plan has never been, never been for you to feel hurt. So Lord, we just pray over those family situations right now. Would you release the beginning point, the beginning point, however small that is, the beginning point of restoration in Jesus. Jesus. So I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Fill them afresh. Fill us afresh. In Jesus' name. Amen.